We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest is jumped over the scores table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. It is Tuesday, December 3rd. We are sponsored, as always, by FanDuel.com. And James, Carmelo Anthony is the reigning Western Conference Player of the Week. I told you he was going to make it, man. I told you he was going to make it into, into January, maybe even into February. I don't, I don't really see any end in sight. <laughs> yeah, this so is the, just the, the beginning. The redemption tour is just, just rolling out of the garage. I, I, I tried to do some amateur research uh, unsuccessfully because I was a little busy this morning. But eventually I will do the full recon on this. The biggest gap between player of the week awards Melo last won it in january of 2014 wow so you know over five years between player of the week awards i i would imagine not many guys have done it but you never know i mean as as we just saw over these last three games all it takes is just one hot week uh to to throw your name up there i mean lebron hasn't even won one since like midway through the 2017-18 season so Melo has more 
player of the week honors than LeBron James over the last like season and a quarter. And a extremely deserving player of the week yes. as well. Uh, there were no other candidates. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he, I, I assume it was unanimous. I don't I, know who votes on this. You know, I, I haven't seen every Blazers game, but everyone on Twitter seemed to acknowledge that yep. he definitely deserved it. So, Yeah, no question about that. Um, I, I will, on a slightly more serious note, Melo has been better than I thought. Like, I... You're like an award like this usually you don't go into one you don't discuss it at all two if you are going to discuss it you don't start thinking about like how are voters going to look at this week you know like <laughs> there's not a lot of like sentiment usually involved in it it's just like oh this guy averaged 40 over the last three games give it to him uh james harden we should note had a 60 point game in the past week did not get the award um in, in three quarters in three quarters um but mellow over his last three games so you know encompassing the past week 22.3 points 7.7 rebounds 2.7 assists no blocks only 1.7 turnovers only 3.7 fouls 57 percent from the field 46 percent from three get this 89 percent from the free throw line is Melo going to go 50 40 90 That'd be pretty awesome. That I, would be. Is this the first ever uh, lifetime achievement player of the week handout? I think so. <laughs> like yeah, kind of a like sometimes the guys will get the MVP award. That's sort of like, well, he's never gotten one. You know, like Carl Malone's first one, sure, and like that type of thing. But yeah, this, certainly this, not. This might be the first ever kind of hey what what a career you had farewell tour player of the week award. <laughs> this this one is going up on the mantle absolutely not not an issue of voter fatigue here i don't think there was a lot of oh we we have we did vote for carmelo it's been five years um well how about how about this so his career true shooting percentage is 52 or 54.2 percent mm. and for this season he's at 54.3 percent so he's, he's having a career year he's Right in line with his career norms, basically, from uh, an efficiency standpoint, which is pretty impressive considering the previous five years he was well below league average in that department. There is significant evidence that Carmelo Anthony had dropped off. I think that's that's kind of what made this whole situation somewhat comedic, at least for for us, is that like Melo refused to acknowledge basically everything that had happened since his peak. Like he just was baffled that the Thunder wanted to move on and could not understand why he was blame, being blamed for the Rocket struggles. And then you look at the numbers. I mean, he was legitimately bad in both of those places. And it, my hunch would be that eventually, you know, these numbers tail off a little bit. I don't think he's going to average 20 plus points as long as he's in Portland. Um, but as we, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, when the signing first happened, he is in kind of the perfect spot. It obviously, it took a long time for a team to get to the point of desperation that they felt like it was the right move to bring Melo in. But I mean, he alluded to it after his first game against New Orleans, like the reason he signed with Portland. And, you know, I think the implication was there was maybe interest elsewhere if he was willing to take on a lesser role. But the reason he signed with Portland was they basically promised him a starting spot, which he started all six games so far. And with that, a significant role. I mean, he's averaging more than 30 minutes per game uh, over his last five. So I, I think this is going to continue, at least for the for the time being. They've they've won their last three games. They blew out Chicago, you know, a, a really good Bulls team twice. They they beat OKC um, at home uh, in kind of in the middle of last week. So I, I don't think they really have a reason to pull away from Melo, uh, at least maybe until you know we get a little bit further on and and Joseph Nurkic or, or Zach Collins are back in the mix. Well, even you know even for all the nice things we've said. Uh, on this podcast about Carmelo, you know, he's still basically a replacement level player when you factor in his defense, but 
he's an above replacement level player for the Blazers when you factor in who he's replacing, right? Like he's Nas Little. He's their best Ken Bazemore. power forward right now. Uh, Anthony Tolliver. So he's better than those guys, and that's really all that matters in the short term. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, but Portland, you know, very quietly has won three straight. Like like we said, the schedule is not great. You know, anytime you can get the Bulls twice over the course of a week, um, you know, you're going to look forward to that. But for the most part, I, I think things, as I wrote for an article on the site, which you can, of course, find at rotowire.com, um, things have kind of solidified, I think, in both conferences in terms of the tiers. Um, you're looking at the West. I think the top six, the Lakers, the I just lost my page. The Lakers, the Nuggets, um, the Clippers, the Rockets, the Mavs, and the Jazz are are kind of a solid top six right now. And I know there's only a game difference between 12 and nine Utah and 10 and nine Minnesota, but um, you know we're still early on enough in the season that I think you, you do have to give preseason expectations some weight. Um, so I think there's still in the minds of most, you know, a gap between Utah and then kind of the rest. Teams like Portland, San Antonio. New Orleans to some degree, Golden State, you know, I mean, we've kind of had to throw everything out the window for them. But those four, I think, were expected to at least, you know, poke around the seven or eight seed at the very least. And, you know, for some of those teams, probably be in play for, you know, something closer to a five or a six seed. But I think we can cross out Golden State, right? That's official. That's official. We can cross off Memphis. Yep. Can we cross off six and 14 New Orleans, which has not had Zion Williamson yet as a playoff team? Uh, we we probably can't. They're uh, currently three and a half games out of the eight. Just I mean, just because of the teams they're chasing, yeah, you know, I mean the the Suns are currently the eight. The Suns, the Suns, the Kings, the Thunder. Can they it, run down it, the Suns? Basically, it's going to take a good like two week stretch at some point this winter. <laughs> Maybe not for even the Pelicans that, yeah. to get back into things. So uh, it might just take one player of the week stretch from each sad, one. More. Sadly enough, we I don't think we can no. quite cross the Pelicans off. I. Is there any other team in the West you, you're confident in crossing off? No, I think it's it's just the Grizzlies and the Warriors, and really that's the those final. There's definitely going to be very interesting jockeying for position atop the Western Conference and, mm-hmm. and even atop the Eastern Conference. But the the hunt for those final two spots in the Western Conference playoffs is really where I think all the intrigue is going to come from uh, over the final month of the mm-hmm. season, just in terms of who's in, who's out, because. In the Eastern Conference, I kind of think it's the top eight teams or just yep. the top eight teams, unless you just really are bullish on the Pistons or Bulls turning it around. Like, I there's just it's it's really pretty underwhelming. And with the Magic and the eight seed, uh, they couldn't play any worse than they have right. thus far, and they're still in the eight seed. So I and they're injured. They're I mean, prob- they- they're probably gonna go on a little bit of a run and right. probably get get back to respectability so I, I think it's really these last two western conference spots are kind of where uh you know the jockings probably going to come from and you know some of those teams are so desperate for relevancy so desperate to say hey we made the playoffs that they might be uh they might make an, an ill-fated decision to be buyers in a year where maybe they should just kind of take whatever happens I agree. Uh, I feel like the Kings are maybe one of the teams that you're talking about in that regard. Kings, um, Timberwolves, Suns, like Timberwolves, all three of those teams, yeah. I think it would mean much more to them to make yep. the playoffs than it would mm-hmm. to almost any other team. So, I mean, we're about a quarter of the way through the season for most teams, and I, I don't think it's necessarily unique that we really only have like one or two cross-offs. I would cross off the Knicks in the East for sure. 
I, I would cross off the Cavs, even though they're technically ahead of the Hawks. The I, Hawks are I, five I, and sixteen, and they are only four games out of the eight seed. Can we cross them off? No, John Collins. I don't know I, if I can do it. I guess not. I mean, that, no, not only no John Collins, but no Kevin Herter. But right. they, they're Vince Carter's been banged they're up. They're still. I mean, they're so close to. They're they're not quite cross off material, but they're they're really close for me. Yeah, the bottom. I mean, like you said, I think the top eight in the East is the eight in some order that everyone would have predicted, right? I think the one spot that we, you know, back in September kind of haggled about was the eight, whether it was Orlando, Detroit, Chicago, Atlanta. And I feel like I, th- I think I settled on Orlando just because they were there last year. They brought back virtually the same team um, and everywhere and everyone above that, maybe in different order. You know, I think I thought Philly would get off to a better start. I thought Toronto would take a bigger step back. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I think, you know, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Miami, Philly, Indiana was just about everyone's well, top six. I think the Nets maybe would have worked their way in there. The Pacers have been better than I thought they'd be. I, I had them be in the eight seed. Uh, but, you know, I mean, they're. I mean, they've had a lot of guys just having monster seasons. They're also and just overall better than these magic and below teams. You know, like well, the Pacers, I, you might you don't even have to be high in the Pacers, but they're better in Detroit. They're better sure. than yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I still think coming in there was an argument that maybe the Nets or the Magic um, maybe could be mm-hmm. in that conversation. But yeah, I mean, the the East it's it's really just about who's going to get those. You know, I, honestly, I think the Bucks kind of have the one seed mm-hmm. all but wrapped up. Uh, the, the yeah. Raptors, Heat, Celtics, Sixers, though, you know, even if you want to throw the Pacers in there, that's going to be a pretty fascinating battle for, for mm-hmm. who's getting the second seed, who's getting the third seed. Well, I think it's going to mean a lot more to get, especially the one, because I think there's there might even be a pretty decent drop-off between Brooklyn or Indiana at seven and then Orlando at eight. You know, I think you'd much rather play Orlando than, you know, than a Nets team that has presumably a healthy Kyrie or, or that Pacers team. And I think you don't want to be the three or the four, you know, because you know, that could mean, you know, Boston, Indiana in round one or Boston, Brooklyn or Miami, Philly. Um, like you're, you're going to get a tough matchup, I think, in that five spot. Definitely tougher than it has been in the last few years. Right. The, you know, I think the five, the four spot, four or five spots, definitely where you don't want to be. But I think you care more about who you might face in the second round mm-hmm. than you do about which of the Pacers, Nets, Magic you face in the first round? Because yep. none of the Bucks, Raptors, Sixers, Celtics should have any trouble beating the Pacers, Nets, or mm-hmm. Magic in a in a seven game series. But it is important, especially for matchup purposes. You know which which team has to play yeah. who, and especially if you, if you're talking about maybe a Sixers team that everyone thought was kind of a lock for the two seed. If they're all of a sudden the three seed or the four seed Mm -hmm. then everything becomes you know really kind of hectic in terms of where you want to land on the seed line i'm still of the belief that milwaukee philly toronto and boston are probably the top four and and i think that pencils miami pretty safely into the five spot so that means one of those teams you know whoever finishes four you could be looking at toronto miami round one boston miami round one like to me those are kind of toss-up series you know I, i think you'd probably slightly favor uh, the higher seeded team just for for home court purposes but it's going to be a much more fun first round at least in the east because the last few years have just been brutal in that respect okay. i'm looking at the bucks right now by the way 12 straight wins after a 44 point win over charlotte and a 41 point win or excuse me i have that backwards 41 point win over charlotte 44 point win over new york last night they play at detroit on wednesday you would think that's a win 
they'll have a chance, assuming they win on Wednesday, to push it to 14 games at home against the Clippers on Friday. And then if you start to look past that, they go Orlando, New Orleans, Memphis, Cleveland. So basically, if they're able to get past the Clippers on Friday at home, they have a pretty decent chance to take what would be an 18-game winning streak into back-to-back games, looking ahead to two Mondays from yesterday uh, against the Mavericks and Lakers. So maybe a decent chance that the streak would end. That's a pretty tough back-to-back. But you also get three days between those games that dallas game is on a monday and then you get the lakers on thursday both those games are at home um i think if they get past the clippers then maybe we can start to to kind of look ahead and see how how far this streak will go but um you know they've had a, a relatively easy schedule they had a tough game against the jazz last week but no Gobert. Uh, other than that it's been a lot of beating up on on some lower level eastern conference teams but uh, i think there's a case to be made that assuming the clippers play their full team uh this is probably the game of the year so far maybe in the nba on friday yeah and the clippers won't have a back-to-back to to factor in at all so Mm -hmm. i mean sure hope that they're going to play their full team and yeah that would be that's going to be quite the showdown and i think i'd give the bucks the advantage just because they're at home but i mean that that's that's definitely going to be a must-watch game i mean i think the mavericks and lakers games later in the month Mm -hmm. are right up there too i mean Doncic versus Giannis is is awesome i mean Dwight versus Brooke. Yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna really heat up, and then obviously the the Christmas Day game. So mm-hmm. uh, four really high end games for the Bucks coming up this month. The ideal scenario is they somehow carry a twenty two game winning streak into Philly right. on on Christmas Day, which would be awesome. Um, I, I would bet and against honestly that happening, not Im- but not like improbable because they're only three hard games before that are all at home. Right, and I. The more I think, you know, I've watched pretty much every Lakers game this year, and the more I watch them against good teams, it just looks a little different. And I, I would, I would pick them. I think straight up, you know, if you start to look at like what are the chances that they win all three of these tough games, you know, maybe it's it's a little bit more difficult. But in a vacuum, I think having all three of those at home means they're probably the favorite, like you said. And the Bucks look different when they play bad teams mm-hmm. because they just beat the crap out of them. And I, like, I can't. I, they might not lose to a bad team all year. They just have such a awesome uh sort of plan of attack Mm -hmm. and you know that the knicks i mean the poor knicks oh man they were that dunk on julius randall was was incredibly rude that was that was a tough one um (laughs) that was one of those where like i wish we had a feed of the knicks bench because i think that would have been one where like nobody wants to celebrate or a couple guys a couple guys accidentally like yeah kind of start celebrating and then like remember they can't (laughs) celebrate you start seeing some eyes on the end of the bench like (laughs) damn um the bucks have lost back-to-back games once since late march of 2018 so they went the final 11 games of the 2017-18 season without a back-to-back loss went all of last season up until i think around march they lost back-to-back um and then they have not done that so far this season and of course that's not counting playoffs but yeah, I mean, that's kind of how you get to become like a 60-plus win team is you just stop losing to bad teams for the most part. You can you can take a loss here or there to, to Boston or Toronto or the Clippers or whoever it is, but as long as you clean up against you know those terrible Eastern Conference teams that you're playing three or four times, you can start racking up wins pretty quickly. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That is why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place. You can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. 
SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I just used SeatGeek earlier this year, twice actually, to get tickets to Green Bay Packers games. No issues either way. Just downloaded the tickets, had them right on my phone, scanned them, boom, I was in. Super, super easy. That's how it works with SeatGeek. And best of all, our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTONBA, R-O-T-O-N-B-A. Again, that promo code is ROTONBA for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Do you want to go Spurs talk or draft talk? Yeah, let's quickly try to come up with a couple trades that might steer the Spurs in a direction that makes some sense here because, you know, we didn't, neither of us ruled them out in terms of making Mm -hmm. the playoffs out West, but I think even they would admit that they can be ruled out as a team that's going to go deep into the playoffs. So uh, you look at the LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan contracts arguably they're better I, I mean i don't even know if it is arguably that they're better with DeRozan off the court they they might the numbers be say they factually are. better with yeah. DeRozan off the court and he can what can he opt in to what like 24 million or something like that this offseason uh and you obviously don't want him to do that if you're the spurs and really the only way to prevent against it is to get him off of your roster so that if he opts in, it's on, it's on another yep. team's roster. <laughs> uh, and then with Marcus Aldridge, you know, it's just, you know, I think moving him is less of a priority, but would still be uh, very welcomed. By, uh, by, watching you like squirm in your seat <laughs> trying to describe the Marcus Aldridge contract, that's that's just what it is. Um, and they, yeah, they did that voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed kind of weird at the time. It was mm-hmm. one of those contracts where you... If it had been any other team, you would have just immediately just been like, what were you guys yes, thinking? Right. But because it was the Spurs, you're like, what? Do they know something about yeah. like the cap? Or, like, he's what? peaking at the right time. He's, <laughs> well, he's 34. Yeah. No, um, I, I was going to say when you first brought up the Spurs, like you know, talking about trades that kind of make sense for them long term, I think they're kind of the team that for so long you would give the benefit of the doubt to or would expect to make trades like this. And, and it, I guess it's really never gotten to the point. You know, It seemed like so many times over the last like 20 years – you know, is this the end of, you know, X era? And they always kind of found a way out or they, they were able to, you know, squeak out one or two more finals bursts and kind of, um, you know, kind of reboot on the fly so many times. I think most recently with with kind of getting Kawhi and developing like they did, they've never really fully bottomed out and, and they still aren't reaching that level. You know, there's a pretty decent chance that if they play this out, they'll be in it for the eight seed for most of the year, which for most teams, you know, you're fine with that. But I think the the decisions that they made, bringing in DeRozan, one and then two kind of re-upping on Aldridge are just very unspurs like things to do and it, it does kind of call into question how we expect them to act now going like forward what, what are their motives are right they, are they actually doing what's in the best interest of the organization long term are they doing what they think can get this or keep this playoff streak alive mm-hmm. and I think those are probably two different things I obviously chose to keep the team competitive when they moved Kawhi and I think they kind of deserve the mess that they're in right now just because of that decision I mean 
you know that there who knows what the next best offer was for Kawhi, but i'm guessing there was an offer where you were getting a better long-term piece than Jakob Pertl as the only long-term piece you were getting back so uh that's that's kind of where they're at now i really struggled with finding you know it's it's easy to find trades at work it's very 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 hard with DeRozan and Aldridge to find another team where from their standpoint you can say oh yeah they would want to add Aldridge because or they would want to add DeRozan mm-hmm. for this reason and with DeRozan all I could really come up with was the magic I have a couple trades that send him to the magic under the uh kind of under the notion that, hey, this is a team that's probably making the playoffs. This is still one of the worst offenses in the league. They could maybe talk themselves into, you know, our defense is is good enough to we can absorb DeRozan into it and his offensive production will help us on that end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, – both of these involve Aaron Gordon going back mm. to the Spurs because, mm-hmm. A, you got to make the money work, B – uh, this has just been a pretty disastrous start to the year for Gordon. I think they're going to eventually move on from him anyway. And so the first one I have is Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier for DeMar DeRozan and Derek White. So with the basically the logic there is, you know, Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier, I think maybe, you know, I think they might make the Spurs better this year so maybe you can get get into the playoffs and a piece pop that way and you're getting Aaron Gordon who maybe the Spurs can kind of salvage and and turn him Mm -hmm. into a long-term piece for them and you're obviously going to have to give the Magic something uh in terms of a young cost control player so Derek Mm -hmm. White you know you're you're taking Aaron Gordon who they are going to tell you they still believe in and you're giving him a bad contract into Rosen so uh, what do you think about that one? I don't hate it. I think all the caveats that you laid out about what it would take to to bring in someone like DeRozan are correct. You know, it's not it's not going to be a perfect trade for anybody. I think you you almost kind of have to make an excuse for why it would work. <laughs> and I, I I agree with you that Orlando is probably one of the teams. And for what it's worth, there was a, a report on Hoopsite last week that the Magic Kings, Rockets, Pistons, and Raptors. Uh, are the teams that are believed to potentially be interested in a DeMar DeRozan trade. So keep that in mind. And I think the Magic are rightfully on that list. My my question with that is they're already like the second worst three-point shooting team in the league. DeRozan kills you there you know, more than any high usage player, especially a guard slash wing. So it doesn't make perfect sense in that regard. But at the same time, nothing that the Magic have done you know, really makes a lot of sense. And it, it, they do seem like they are a kind of superstar, desperate franchise and and DeMar DeRozan is not a superstar but by Orlando Magic standards he definitely is and I think with the way that this season has gone so far like I I, I see it as kind of like a no-lose move like he's probably not going to make you any worse than Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier and you know I think there's still some upside in Derek White and you could probably you know I wonder what everyone's opinion on the Fournier contract would be 17 million dollar player option for next year yeah uh that might be a slight negative contract and then gordon you know i think you probably still could move that and get positive value back but there's a chance maybe in in a year that's not the case Mm -hmm. and 
you know, maybe I just think maybe they could talk themselves into, hey, Derek White and Markel Fultz is now our backcourt of the future with Jonathan Isaac. And we'll see what we can do with DeRozan and Vucevic these next two years, mm-hmm. hopefully in the playoffs. Maybe we win a series. And then by the time DeRozan's gone, those guys will be ready to kind of take over. Um, my next one is the exact same trade, except take out Derek White and sub in Lonnie Walker. Mm. And that one, the thinking would be that Walker might be a better long-term fit next to Markel Fultz just because he's probably the better shooter out of out of him, White, and Fultz. And uh, the Spurs really don't have anywhere to play him anyway. And maybe it's a stretch to say that Pop's going to trade the player that he put on the on Team USA over Trey Young in, a, in an attempt to get out of Rosen. So uh, maybe this one's more makes more sense from the Spurs perspective I would imagine that if any team's taking on DeMar DeRozan and giving up a player like Aaron Gordon they're going to want something a little better than Lonnie Walker back but uh that that's my that's my other DeRozan trade okay so a few points I the 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 white thing I do wonder about what kind of value he has um I think the fact that Markel Fultz has actually looked pretty good overall this year kind of diminishes maybe the need to include someone like white you know i think you could maybe get away with including a lesser asset in walker because fultz has been especially over the last like two weeks i mean he scored in, i think at least 12 points in like his last nine or ten games um the free throw shooting he's up to like 80 percent from the line which he was basically lonzo at the line his first two years so that's huge that's, that is huge the three-point shooting remains an issue i think it's been a little better lately he's been like 30 percent over the last couple of weeks which is up from like 25 percent I don't think he's ever going to be a good three-point shooter. Obviously, that's a big problem for a team that already struggles. Um, but I, I don't think that you would necessarily need to include a guy like Derek White. My question is, is there a chance that the Spurs would move DeJounte Murray? Maybe not in this deal, but in a separate deal. I mean, they already demoted him to the bench with Derek White starting. Like, Do they now value Derek White more than DeJounte Murray? Well, they're just they're kind of desperate. I mean, I feel like they've done... 10 different lineups so far this season just to try to unlock something because they're mm-hmm. uh you know they're not even d'ing up when DeJounte's out there and he's right. you know obviously you're if you're only guarding the other team's point guard it's tough to really have a, a massive impact on a team defense the way that a center can but uh you know I just don't I don't really think that I would want to move on from DeJounte Murray right now. I'd want to try to find a way to assemble the right pieces around mm-hmm. him, whereas I don't really think they have. the Like, having DeRozan and Aldridge with DeJounte Murray just makes his one big weakness that much more glaring, whereas mm-hmm. if you could move on from those guys and hopefully bring in some guys that, that can space the floor a little bit better, I think that might be able to unlock something with Murray. Um I agree. I think you really can't accurately judge any young guard, especially a young guard who struggles to shoot when you're surrounding him with LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan and running everything through those guys. It's it's not really a a fair environment, I guess, to be evaluated. But And the other thing, too, is you'd be selling low on Murray, like probably at his absolute lowest, coming off of an injury. You know, the one caveat, I guess, is they're, they're still barely playing him like 20 minutes a night. And mm-hmm. a lot of nights it's been 18, 19 minutes. So we, we still haven't really seen you know maybe what he can look like in a you know 32 minute per game role but it's been pretty discouraging so far yeah i, I also just didn't think Dejounte to the magic was 
didn't make any sense. Dejounte folds back. Like <laughs> we're going to try to have the the best defense in the league and the worst offense. Yeah. In the well, they already have one of those things. So, um, I took down a bunch. I it's, a lot of these were just kind of slopped together. Um, they do, for the most part, make sense salary wise, at least using the the trade machine. Um, but I'll, I'll run through a few of these quick. And we should note, Lamarcus Aldridge has one more year after this one at twenty four mil. That's guaranteed, not an option. Um, and DeRozan has a twenty seven point seven million dollar player option next year which you would expect him to pick up i i cannot imagine that he's getting a deal with an annual value north of that you know for more than like one or two years from anyone and i I think ideally he probably searches for like that last big contract but i mean as we're discussing right now i I just don't think he's in that much demand um so i have the aaron gordon one i think that's kind of the obvious piece for orlando um what do you think about chicago well that's that's the only lamarcus aldridge destination i came up with so it could be, yeah, it could be DeRozan or, or Aldridge. I mean, they're so similar in salary that you can kind of sub one or the other out. Um, DeRozan for Laurie Markkinen, the Cristiano Felicio contract, which he has one more year after this year. Chris Dunn, which is essentially a contract at this point, and Denzel Valentine, who can't even crack the Bulls rotation. So selling low on, on Laurie Markkinen. Right. Uh, and that was for Aldridge or DeRozan? Either one. I have it yeah. for DeRozan. I, I mean, if you're the Spurs, maybe it's a take your pick. Maybe you'd rather trade big for big. So I think that the Spurs shouldn't expect to be able to do better than that. I have them doing a tiny bit better because I have them waiting until Thaddeus Young is eligible to be traded and then doing Thaddeus Young, Laurie Markkinen, and Felicio. Uh, Felicio, you know, Maybe not the worst contract in the league because the Nicholas Batum contract. Yeah, the out money's there, not but that bad. Like but the money's not the per terrible, dollar, but just the idea that you have to roster this guy on an active at yeah, NBA terribleness roster. per dollar. He leads the league. <laughs> so, you know, I think attaching Felicio to Markinen, if the Bulls, if the Bulls just decide, hey, this guy isn't what we thought he was. He's at best a Kola Miritich 2.0, that type of thing. Uh, maybe they would talk themselves into. You know, and who knows? Maybe Garpax have a mandate like you guys better make the playoffs this year, mm-hmm. or you <laughs> or know, what? what? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but maybe they maybe they could talk themselves into hey Aldridge next to Wendell Carter. Uh, you know, maybe everyone else in our lineup except for Aldridge can shoot threes, and so Aldridge uh, was technically drafted by the Bulls, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of oh, a reunion, yeah. yeah. Um, but that that one. I think the idea of like a Markin and Felicio, you know, attaching the poison pill of the Felicio deal with them kind of cashing out Markin before his stock drops even further, maybe there's a chance that makes sense for them. And the Bulls are also just one of those teams that you think might just be desperate enough to do anything crazy anything. like this because before Markin, I, I I had Zach Levine written down. I. I don't think they would do that. I don't think the Spurs would trade for Levine. Uh, mm. I think the Spurs might talk themselves into Markkinen. Um, well, would you rather have, if you could get Markkinen or Gordon, which like struggling young forward would you rather take on as a reclamation project? Like, Who are you more confident you can, you can get right? Uh, uh, man, I think yeah. that they... That's that's really that's really close. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Gordon, you can visualize him being this more of like a two way player. Uh, 
then obviously Markkinen's not going to help you much defensively. But I mean, which of, which of these guys is a better three point shooter? Right I don't now? know. <laughs> I don't. Markkinen just looks. Markkinen looks like sickly when hey, I go, watch him. He looks cat. weak. He looks disinterested. He looks just like beaten down by Jim Boylan. Maybe it's not fair to judge him or the Bulls based on that situation. Um, I don't know. I, hey, I wouldn't first be... coach fired. Still, still a thing. I will say though, yeah, it is ironic. Weirdly enough, but <laughs> I, I will say I would be pretty happy based on how we're talking about DeRozan and this contract. Like, I'd be pretty happy to get Markinen or Gordon. Like, I would a pretty, too. A pretty no, solid young player. We like guys who have played well for stretches. I think and just, who are both in bad situations. Just getting someone you can kind of talk yourself into being able to fix yeah. is better than having DeRozan. Yeah, and those—I mean, those guys, like I said, have played well in the past. This isn't—it's not like they're completely, you know, broken down. This isn't like a Josh Jackson situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, before I read my next one, let's take a quick break. Let's talk about the value in daily fantasy for a minute. The big prizes are attractive, but you have to finish in the top two percent out of thousands of experts to win any real money. So even on your best day, you still feel like you're losing. Now you can play something better, and that is Stat Hero. Stat Hero is a house-based game that combines the best of daily fantasy and survivor pools. Each Stat Hero contest lasts multiple days, but requires only one entry fee, so your money lasts longer. Yes, you can play multiple days with only one entry fee. Stat Hero gives you smaller contests and more chances to win, and no more competing with sharks or experts ever, because your only competition is Stat Hero itself. You play Stat Hero, you beat Stat Hero, you get paid by Stat Hero. Survive the game and download Stat Hero today and see how the face of Daily Fantasy has changed. Finally, a game designed for the rest of us, Stat Hero, now open for NFL and NBA and available on both iOS and Android. For more information, visit StatHero.com. I know this one doesn't make a ton of sense maybe on the surface, but DeMar DeRozan to Detroit for Andre Drummond, who is due a large pay increase, a potentially max player, Next year, we don't know if Detroit wants to hand him that contract. The way he's played this year, I would guess maybe they do. But if they decide against it, maybe you you sell him off and you kind of look at your situation and say, we're, best case scenario, we get the eight and we get swept. Um, if we're not going to re-sign Drummond, we're just going to try to get something for him now. And that's DeRozan or or maybe Aldridge. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't include the Pistons because I just can't picture the Spurs taking on drummond i think he's just the least spurs player mm-hmm. in the league maybe um, well so is DeRozan though <laughs> that, that, that's what see that's what i'm saying it's like we don't know what yeah. what they're capable of anymore well so i when i think of like a spurs player i'm thinking of someone that's got really good feel for the game and you know i think DeRozan in his own way has really good feel for the game on offense mm-hmm. at least when he's the guy with the ball uh, whereas Drummond, I I just think Drummond would cause Pop more sleepless nights than DeRozan's unwillingness to shoot mm-hmm. threes does. I, so I guess I I get I get it in the sense that you know it's my problem for your problem. Yeah. Uh, but I I kind of think the Spurs would rather just keep what they've got than than do that. Okay, fair enough. I'll run through these next ones quickly. DeMar DeRozan or LaMarcus Aldridge, another take your pick, to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Kevin Love. So you get three more years of Love. Not exactly a good contract, but a you know probably slightly better, if not the same impact so, player as those two. So it's the... This is kind of the Cavs sort of playing it fairly safe and just 
you know, short shorter deal, uh, and you take away the risk of you know love getting hurt again, and then you're just stuck with it for for three years. Um, I mean, I think the Spurs would do that in two seconds uh, for either of those guys, just for the chance that it might mm-hmm. work, you know. And I feel like the Cavs probably are hoping to get an actual asset back for Love, which I'm sure they have a fairly decent idea right now whether that's realistic. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't mind that one. I, I guess. You know, it seems like uh, the Spurs would definitely do it. The Cavs yep. might hem and haw about it. Okay, what about DeRozan to Portland for Ken Bazemore, Rodney Hood, Nas Little, potentially a pick? I don't know who. I don't know if you need a pick involved in this one. Bazemore's expiring. Hood has a player option next year at six point three million. Um, you know, neither of those guys have been very good for Portland. Nas Little looked pretty decent in that little stretch when he was when he was starting before they got mellow um you know not a, not an overwhelming deal for either side but I, I could see portland kind of backed into a corner making another desperation <laughs> move like this I, I think that one the spurs probably would do if push came to shove just because it gets them out of the massive uh you know the full 20 plus mil yeah you're saving for, a lot of money next this year. is this is not really a bring back value it's just shed money yeah right and yeah, no, I, I think that one's pretty mm-hmm. good. Okay, DeRozan for Nemanja Bialica, Trevor Ariza, and Bogdan Bogdanovich to the Kings. Um, With the intention that you're probably going to try to re-sign Bogdanovich. Why, why would the, the Kings just would talk themselves into DeRozan... Hey, they were on the list of teams that would be interested, so I, I felt obligated to construct a trade. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, you know where I'm at on Bogdanovich. I, I think he's a, a stud, but I just... I don't think they're going to resign him, though. No, uh, but I don't know if they know that. I don't I don't know if they're smart enough to have figured that part of it out yet. That, yeah, fair point. <laughs> that he can't come back. <laughs> <laughs> I think they might be the last team in the league to figure out that they can't resign Bogdanovich. Okay, uh, a couple more. DeRozan for Ibaka plus a pick. Back to Toronto. Ooh, I don't. I no? don't see that at all. That okay. just completely ruins their identity as this. You know. Okay. Yeah. No. All right, and then the only trade I could construct that to get Houston involved, since they were allegedly, <laughs> I, I don't know why this would make any sense for them to bring in Demar Derozan. If there's one player who like, contrasts <laughs> with everything they do. It's him. Well, him and Re- him and Westbrook are similar, uh, wow. in, except that DeRozan's better. <laughs> um, yeah, very true. So, assuming they're not giving up Harden, Capella, Russ, or PJ Tucker, the only real viable deal would be DeRozan for Eric Gordon, Daniel House, Ben McLemore, Austin Rivers, and then some other filler. I just threw in Isaiah Hardenstein. Plus, you would probably need picks. I mean, is the Eric Gordon deal worse than the DeRozan deal at this point? Uh, that's a good question. I, I didn't look how much how much Eric Gordon or Eric Gordon has left on his deal, but I I also don't know. I if mean, he's it's not the same money. Bounced wise. back. Uh, I know he's, he's been got hurt. off to a, okay. Yeah, so he hasn't uh, played in like almost um, a month. I mean, yeah, uh, I didn't realize the Gordon money. That's he's making nineteen and a half million dollars in twenty twenty two twenty three twenty one million. Yeah. In twenty three, twenty four. Okay, I'm going to cancel that one. Yeah, that's not <laughs> happening. I, I don't think the Rockets are getting Demar Derozan as much as they may want him. Uh, okay, so 
I don't. We might have to call this after the the 2019 uh, discussion here, but we wanted to do redrafts of both 2019 and 2018, and I think maybe we'll save 2018 for for another pod. And I think we should just do the lottery because it's clean. It's 14. We each do seven. Uh, well, so the question is: Are we redrafting just the 14 players who no, are taking no, no, the lottery, no, or you just no, do the top it's, 14? It's because that's what's so crazy about right. this past draft is, I think. You know, maybe half the guys that went in the lottery wouldn't go in the lottery if it if it was right. redone today. Yeah, so it'll be a pretty simple exercise. I mean, we'll just take a look back. I mean, for some of these guys, they played twenty games. Some have played two games. Um, but you know, we feel like we have a little bit of a sample at least to to kind of decide. You know, at least the early trajectory for for some of these guys. So I will let you give me your top three in order if the twenty nineteen NBA draft was taking place today. Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing the first three. Okay, so uh, Zion and Ja as the as the first two in that order. Yes. Uh, and then here's my big qualifier: is after the top two, I think you're making a huge, huge, huge mistake if you're trying for more than a good, uh, like a a really solid role player. Like I just don't think, uh, you know, and this is part of why I'm not going to have RJ Barrett in my top three is I don't think there's another star in this draft. No, well, at the very least, I don't think you should expect to find another star in this draft after the top two guys. So to me, it's, it's really uh, a lot about floor, even at the third overall pick. And for me, that's uh Tyler hero is the oh. guy that I feel the most comfortable about being a long-term starter at a position of scarcity with a unique skill set in the league. And so he would be my third pick at this point. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's not an egregious pick based on how he's played. He's been, what, 41% from beyond the arc, 45% from the field, 29 minutes a game, rebounds well, passes pretty well for a guy who I think a lot of people just expected to be like a Kyle Korver type just yeah. based on appearance. I it's, mean, he's he's more he has much more to his game than just the – prototypical three-point specialist it's the kentucky syndrome where right. you just these guys just aren't allowed to really do anything uh interesting when mm-hmm. they're at kentucky uh even if they're capable of doing it right yeah i mean i and the thing with him is he was on a less talented team like devin booker is the ultimate example mm-hmm. right i mean of somebody who was didn't even start for kentucky and, and ended up being you know second best player i guess overall on that team behind towns um i have hero a little bit lower i went zion moran i still have baird at three i understand where you're coming from um he was 0 for 9 from the field against the bucks yesterday it was ugly well the the i mean the worst thing is you know i was low so i was low on barrett lower on barrett than you were before the draft uh so like for me this is just confirmation bias city where i just Oh, this is kind of what I thought would happen, but it sucks that it it's on the Knicks because it still doesn't feel like a you know an accurate representation maybe of where he would truly be on like a normal functioning roster that was put together with any sense at all. Whereas I just don't know how he could have gone into this Knicks team and and had any real success from an efficiency standpoint. And, right. But but the big the big thing that's really really worrying is the free throw percentage. Like that's just it's such a bad indicator for his jump shot long term. Mm-hmm. 
And if he's a guy, like part one of the things that you, you would think if RJ Barrett sort of reached his ceiling, he'd be a guy that would excel at getting to the line, right? Like right. that that's a strength. Like he's a big guy, uh, able to finish in traffic. But if he's a if he's going to be like a 50, 55 percent free throw shooter, he's not going to want to go to the line. So then you're going to have him doing yeah. stuff that he's much worse at. I mean, he like you said, he is averaging over five free throw attempts per game, which is really good for for any rookie, really. Um, but yeah, to be converting at fifty three point three percent through twenty games is extremely concerning. And like you said, I don't, I don't know if there's much of a precedent for for guys starting that low. Especially someone like him who is not billed primary as primary ball handler starting right. that low, right? It's and I mean, just, it's, it's not like he came out and was was Steph Curry or anything. I mean, there were questions about his jumper, but it wasn't a Lonzo situation or even like a Jason Kidd situation where he's this clear pass first guy. The jumper is just kind of there. You know, it's not he's not Rondo. Like he was at the very least supposed to be a pretty decent jump shooter. You there's know? there's and, a big difference too between what what did Lucas shoot last year like 71 72 yeah. something like that there's a big difference between 52 and 72 <laughs> there's a big difference between 53 and 63 yeah like, yeah i know i mean it's tough to get down that low like yeah. that is like think of how bad Giannis has been at free throws this yeah. year he's airballing free throws left and right and he's still at 58 <laughs> yeah crazy uh okay so i have zion morant barrett and then my, i finished out my top five with brandon clark at four and then hero at five. Oh, okay good so you have hero in there uh I Clark, I have at six, so he just misses my top okay. five. Uh, I rounded out my top five with, uh, and again, this is I'm looking for a really good role player here. I'm not mm-hmm. looking for uh, a star. Uh, my fourth guy is Jackson Hayes. My fifth Ooh. guy is Goga Patadze. I have Goga on my list, uh, a little bit further down. I mean, he's just at the end of the lottery, but. Had, I mean, he has, what, two four-block games, I think, already this year when he had a little bit of opportunity. Um, kind of in, like, the worst-case scenario for yeah, him opportunity-wise. It like His it, team already starts two centers. It really sucks yeah. that he can't play more because I think he's he's ready, you know, in terms of caliber of competition last year. I mean, I think he's ready to mm-hmm. be playing 25 minutes a game in the NBA. But. So my next question now is how far down do you have R.J. Barrett? I have him... I'm at eleven. Oh my goodness! And this 11? is this is not. Come on! This is just. I don't know how he's going to fit in on a winning team. I just really don't. I, I don't know what you could point to and be like, oh, this is what it looks like. This type of player on a winning team because if he can't shoot, and he he's obviously not going to be better than an average defender. I mean, I I just don't know what you do with him. Okay, I mean this is this is a shocking development. Um, actually, no, it's really not at all. 11, I don't know why why I'm acting surprised. I, I know you're not a Barrett guy. That was pretty clear, like two games in. Okay, well I have Zion Barrett, Barrett, Clark, Hero. I went Darius Garland at number six. I'm not out on Garland. Very concerning to begin the year. Um, seems like he's kind of found his stride at least a little bit over these last couple of weeks. Um, and as you laid out before we hopped on the pod, you know a lot of these guys. It, you know, if you're, if you're drafted highly, it takes a little bit more for you to be to be bumped down. You know, especially when we're talking about a guy who's played 19 games, um, which is kind of part of the reason maybe I'm a little surprised that Barrett sunk so low for you already. Um, I know Garland, you know, barely over 10 points per game, had a string of single digit games to begin the year, but uh, what I really look at is 38 percent from beyond the arc, 83 mm-hmm. percent at the line, 
Um, you know, certainly not going to hit the ground running as like a Damian Lillard type who just came in and was immediately ready. You know, a guy who is fairly unknown at the college level playing at a small school. Garland, you know, went to an SEC school, barely played in college, so kind of had the similar you know question marks maybe not so much about you know his playing style but about you know his health and just having not being seen for a while I think the Cavs are a really tough situation you know just in terms of talent maybe the least talented team in the league you know I think we maybe thought that would be Charlotte and they've they've shown a little bit more um so kind of a tough environment you know he's playing alongside like a weird inefficient player in Colin Sexton probably not the ideal backcourt mate um so I initially had Garland a little bit lower but I ended up tucking him in at six yeah, I've met seven, so I'm okay. just behind Brandon Clark. Um, I'm with you. The the shooting is really encouraging. Uh, you know, he's going to be a sieve on defense, and mm-hmm. he doesn't really show an ability to get to the rim. And, you know, maybe that shouldn't have been that big of a surprise, just given his build. Uh but, you know, we've seen small guys in the NBA still find a way to get to the rim. And for him, it just seems everything everything's a jumper. And, you know, it's impressive that he's hitting them at this clip. But, you know, if I'm going to ding R.J. Barrett for, like, how does he fit on a, a good team? Mm-hmm. You know, Garland, on a good team, he's, he's probably coming off the bench, you know, just yep. because you, you can't guard – you can't really guard anyone and uh it's tough to evaluate a guy's playmaking on the Cavs. <laughs> uh but the assists aren't quite mm-hmm. where I where I'd hope they'd be. Um and and you know with Jackson Hayes, Batadze, Clark, it's a lot easier to sort of see, well, you know, Hayes is my rim run, running rim protector, Batadze, you know, a guy that you can get it to the post, protect the rim, Clark uh kind of a jack of all trades the Pataze kind of plays a shack role sure, yeah. <laughs> it's like kind of a shack so, mixed with the keem yeah so I mean, it's it's easier to sort of for me to see how those three would be out there in sure. big minutes in their prime and in, in big games okay fair enough i mean i do feel like that's the right way to approach it at the same time like especially for garland like this none of this is new right like we knew he would be bad on defense so why I, I think like why, I thought I still take him. I think I thought he'd be a little more uh, electric off the bounce. I, I thought he would maybe it's be pretty able passive. To, yeah, he just and I mean he's he's such a pure shooter that I almost get it. Like he, he that's where he's sort of comfortable. Uh, but yeah, I mean he's not really trying to cross guys up and get to the rim. Really, if he if he's crossing anyone up, it's to do like a step back jumper. Mm-hmm. So. You know, maybe I'm overreacting on Garland since I mean he was my third guy yep. on draft night. Uh I feel better. I feel good about Hero over him. Maybe maybe just the shooting uh could be a separator, yeah. put him ahead of those big guys. I'm I'm really glad that Hero has held up so far because we've seen a lot of guys like come out and have these crazy summer leagues and Nikhil Alexander Walker. Oh my god. He's not, <laughs> he's not on my list, I'll tell you that. Um but yeah, I mean, I mean for part of it's just the opportunity. You know, everything's kinda he seems like he's landed in the perfect spot. Um but a lot of it too is, you know, you just step up the competition level and you know, all of a sudden you're not hitting three threes a game, but he's just kinda kept on um, you know, doing what he was doing in, in summer league. Last note on Garland, his last nine games. 13 and a half points only 2.4 assists really no other meaningful counting stats but 46 percent from three on just under six attempts per game very encouraging can you think of i mean what's a good comp for i mean is it like a lou williams is that kind of what you're hoping he becomes like that type the, of thing? well the problem is you might already have one of those guys in sexton <laughs> and 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think he, he probably becomes, you know, maybe a, a little more efficient version of Lou Williams. I, the lack of assists. I mean, you have two point guards on your roster who you drafted in consecutive years, both in the lottery, neither of whom are remotely good passers so far. That's a little concerning to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, he has a really, he has one of the most important skills. He can, he can make, he can create and make uh, three pointers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I haven't seen much else from him. Yeah, they have like the like the bizarro, terrible version of Lillard McCollum, basically in Cleveland. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll give you the rest of my top ten. We've kind of been all over the place here, but I, I went to recap: Zion, Morant, Barrett, Clark, Hero, Garland. My seven, eight, nine, ten are PJ Washington, Rui Hachimura. Kobe White, Matisse Thibel. Okay. Uh, I have... I do not have Rui, even though he, I know he's a good fantasy guy. Mm-hmm. I just... Um, you know, obvious obvious reasons. Uh, but I do have the other two guys. Uh, so after Garland... At, so I went Zion, Ja, Hero, Hayes, Batadze, Clark, Garland. And then... This is these next two are just an absolute testament to how much I dislike the rest of this class. Uh, Chuma Okiki, I have at eight, okay. and Seku Dumboya, I have at Come nine. on, what is going on? Uh, Dumboya has looked <laughs> really solid in the G League, and he's he's shooting it well, it looks pure. Uh, uh Okiki, that to Josh Selby, I. I think Okike, if you're if you're in any kind of a keeper dynasty league, I think he's going to be a really good stash uh, for next year. And he's he's one of those guys that like his game. It's easy to see how it would translate on a winning team, even if it's only as the the fifth or sixth best player. Uh, but so that's, you wouldn't you wouldn't trade R.J. Barrett for Sekou Dabuya or Chuma Okiki? I, I would. Uh, if I'm trying to w- win an NBA championship someday, I, I would love to. Well, I wouldn't do that because I know I could imagine get more the Knicks for making him. that trade right now. <laughs> I, know, I know I could. I know I could get more. From yeah, yeah, so I know. I'm kidding. Yeah. Obviously, do that, but uh, okay. So for the record, I, I have both those guys in in the haven't seen yet category because we haven't seen them. Okiki is hurt, of course, and and Dimbuya just hasn't really been ready. So I did not consider them in my rankings, but I, I respect you including them. Okay, and then I went. Uh, I rounded out the top ten with DeAndre Hunter. Okay, I had Hunter at 13. Um, I don't feel really too strongly, basically, after the top seven. So I, I, I do like P.J. Washington. I'm kind of surprised how efficient he's been. I had, He's been a little up and down. He had that huge opening night that I felt like kind of maybe boosted him up a little too high at first. But, I mean, he looks like he's going to be just a really useful player, I think, if nothing else. Definitely not a star, but... definitely, I, I definitely would take him over Rui because... PJ, I'm I'm just shocked at how well he's shooting threes. Whereas yeah. Rui's he's blocking like, shots, he's like rebounding. Clip. I mean, is I think we, you and I, were both too low on Washington, uh, just yeah, based oh, on how sure. he's played this thus far. But I still think he's kind of a sell high guy for me. Where mm-hmm. I don't like, I just don't really see him being one yeah. of the seven or eight best players from this class even though he's been pretty good yeah. so far i mean if you're charlotte and you have an opportunity to acquire a really good player i don't think you're holding up the deal because you refuse to include pj washington mm-hmm. right um so do you you don't have kobe white i have so i had barrett at 11 then i went uh terrence terrence davis at 12 mm. kobe white at okay. 13 and pj washington at 14 uh i've I've really liked what I've seen from Terrence Davis. Uh, he was undrafted. I mean, the, I don't know how the Raptors keep finding these guys, uh, yep. but you know he 
He looks good. Playing over his head, I mean, there's no way his like true shooting and everything's going to finish where it's at right now. But still, it's like, where do you pick apart his game? I mean, he's, right. he's a guy that can handle the ball. He can shoot the ball. Uh, a lot to like with him. Yeah, one uh, kind of unrelated note with Rui. I don't know if you saw this. Thomas Bryant is out for the next three weeks. And Mo Wagner's also hurt. So pretty big opportunity for, for Rui to... So they, so they might start giving up 170 a yeah. night instead of 150? They've given, they've given up 150 <laughs> twice already, right? I think so. I think they have. Um, yeah, it's going to be pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, I, so you have, do you have Thibel? Uh He was honorable mention for me. And it's just... It's easy to see why you'd want him on any NBA team, even if he's just like your ninth or tenth man. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to have that low of a usage rate, and it's probably never going to get that much higher, I think for the right team, know. he's super valuable. I think if he was like him in three years on this version of the Rockets, where he's per thirty six, he's averaging three point three steals, one point five yeah. blocks. 1.8 made threes. He's up to 43% from three. He'd be a great rocket. Right. Certain teams, he means a lot less. I think right now the Sixers might be one of those teams, unfortunately. Um, but I, st- I still like at him a lot. At least when they're at full strength. Yeah. Yep. So I, I have Jackson Hayes a little bit lower. I had him at 11. I thought about putting him up a little bit higher. I, I think that's totally justified. No Jarrett Culver for you. I had him at 12. No Jarrett Culver. He hasn't been very efficient. I, I, was, I still like him. I was even lower on him than I was Barrett mm-hmm. coming in. So Did you consider Eric Paschal at all? I did. I just, you know, the he's not really hitting threes at a great yeah. clip. I mean, obviously he's been way more impressive than I would have thought. But I mean, this is also just he's the best of a bunch of terrible young players on a team that is was constructed to get the number one pick. So I, I don't know. It's how does he fit in on a good team? I we'll we'll see. And then I honorable mention I had Kendrick Nunn as well yes i had him i wanted to ask about him so he's technically class of 2018 based on when he graduated college so he he spent last year in the g league he's 24 years old but yeah i I think it's fair to include him in either class so where he's on on your honorable mention i had him with with thibel and then like i i still listed Nikhil alexander walker honorable mention uh i don't know like you'd rather take for the next like five years or three years you'd rather have terrence davis than kendrick nunn i think i would put him higher if i was ranking him as if he were drafted in this class (sighs) For some reason, Terrence Davis seems like he's got more upside to me. None uh, really doesn't do anything but score. Yeah, and Davis has had some games where he's he's had like six dimes and he'll, he'll get some steals. And uh, I, I guess I'm just a bit more. Uh, I want to see a bit more from None before I fully believe in him as this mm-hmm. like 18 point a game guy. It just doesn't yeah. seem to compute, but. I mean, all it would take is, for any of these guys that are off to good starts, all it would take is a bad 10 days, and your yeah. efficiency is going to go in the tank. Yeah. Well, the thing with Davis, too, is as soon as Kyle Lowry's back, I think we expect him to, to drop off a decent amount. But, I mean, yet again, I'd, chances are he's probably not going to be the next Van Vliet. But it, it's it's never it's a very bad, similar situation. It's never a bad call to just sort of bet on the Raptors maximizing a prospect. And maybe you yes. could say the same about the Heat, but... Uh, yeah, you know, Davis is a it's better, not a coincidence that da- these are the two teams that keep doing this. Yeah, Davis is a better athlete, too. Yeah. Davis can, can throw down and, and yep. stuff. So, Okay, uh, well, I just saw a tweet that says the Wizards are now down to three players taller than 6'6". 
so nice. they're starting Rui at center tonight with, with Bertans and Bonga. Uh, this is going to be a really, really fun team to watch over the next uh, couple weeks here without Thomas Bryant. But that'll do it for us. Uh, we'll be back next week and do, do the 2018 redraft and you know see what else is going on around the league. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.